And that's kind of how I've done everything in my life. Like if it makes me nervous, if it scares me, I have to do it. It's the only way I'm going to grow. It's the only way I'm going to get better. It's the only way I'm going to keep moving forward and proving to myself that you can do scary things. It's okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to survive. I'm Brad Baker. I'm Joshua Bonital. Welcome to the future of human performance. Today, we welcome in Bridget Hughes to the studio. Bridget is a performance manager at Future and is an innovator in that she was actually one of the first coaches to work remote, living in New York while everything was stationed in California. She was one of the first 10 coaches at Future and was ultimately a case study that opened the doors of opportunity for the rest of us to follow in the remote working footsteps. So Bridget, I want to start with when I asked you to be on the show, you said you didn't want to be on and that's exactly why you had to be on. So where does that mentality come from? Hi guys. First of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And yes, to go off that question, I was definitely hesitant when you first asked me, I was like, LOL, why, why would you choose me? And then second of all, I was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. But then I like sat with it for probably like two seconds and was like, I got to do it. Like end of discussion. I have to do it. And that's kind of how I've done everything in my life. Like if it makes me nervous, if it scares me, I, that there's, I have to do it. It's the only way I'm going to grow. It's the only way I'm going to get better. It's the only way I'm going to just keep moving forward and proving to myself that you can do scary things. It's okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to survive. Can you remember back to maybe the first time that you made a decision like that, that pushed you outside your comfort zone and then saw the result of it? Cause I feel like it's okay. How do we get into that mindset ourselves where here's something I really don't want to do, but I have to do it. Like, was it just the first time you did it? and saw success with it? Or how did you kind of get led down that path? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Honestly, I can remember back being in high school track, running the 400 and feeling like I was like my, like all of the fight or flight things. Like I'm shaking, running to the bathroom, like freaking out. And then as soon as that gun went off, I was totally fine and won the race, like totally fine. So that's kind of where I remember feeling it the first, first time that I can remember. Cause like, that was a really long time ago. I am out of high school, gosh, 15 plus years. Um, but that was like the first time I can remember feeling that way before then. No, but like, that's kind of like all eyes are on you when you're on the track. It's not like a team sport. You can rely on your teammates. That was kind of the first time I was like, all eyes were on me. Um, and then professionally, as I started going through like the ranks, um, I remember I had to warm up the, the women's volleyball team at Tennessee doing an internship. And I was like, they're like one of the best teams in the country. Why are they trusting me with this? And I was like, you just got to do it. I practiced a bunch with the other interns. And then I was like, here we go. And it was fine. I survived. I did it. And it just helped help building my confidence that I could do anything. Like I can do anything that scares me initially and I can just get through it and get better. Yeah. And that's where growth comes from. And it's like, you want to stay in that comfort zone so bad. And I think it's something that we talk about a lot on the show and it's obviously just way easier said than done, but what in your mind is the first step or like the thing that you lean on in that situation? Is there some self-talk involved? What kind of thing do you draw upon? A lot of self-talk involved. I think the first thing is like, you're going to be okay. 
Like, it's okay. Other people have done this before. Everyone's the same. Everyone's initially scared of something at first. And you're not the first person to be scared. And look at all these successful people around you. So that initial, like their self-talk, you're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. You're, you don't know what's going to happen unless you do it. So that's kind of my mentality with everything that I've ever done. And especially with this podcast, <laughs> I'm going to be okay. I'm okay right now. <laughs> I think too, like, even leading up into, into those moments. So like you talked about the track meet, like you felt that fear when you were getting ready, like in that moment, you know, and, and I guess with this podcast, it was more sort of, you know, when you got asked, but I'm curious, like, I imagine there's, there's things that you are doing in your daily life leading up to when these moments happen. So the moment you're going to lead uh, the Tennessee, you know, women's volleyball lead their, their warm up. You talked about preparation into that. One of the things I'm big on and you hear me talk about a lot is like, do something that scares you every single day, because I think it's, it's like a muscle, like it, it, it builds your exposure to fear, to discomfort. So then when you actually get in those moments where otherwise you might be paralyzed, like you've kind of built up courage, over time. So I'm curious, like, how do you approach that just in like your daily life? And also, you know, if we kind of transition that to like, I see you doing that with a lot of other coaches of like getting them to overcome fear and, and discomfort. So for yourself, but also how do you help others to do that? Yeah. Um, I'm big on routines. I like my routines. I think a way that kind of helps me get over scary things is like having my daily routine. So wake up in the morning, I work out, and then I kind of just dive into work. Um, but I think that workout really sets the tone for my day, whether I'm going to have a good day or a bad day. And every single day that I move my body, I'm, I feel ready to go. I, still, there's still some nerves. There's still some things that come into it, but it's, again, it come, kind, of, kind of comes back to self-talk and just trusting, like, I know I'm strong physically, I'm strong mentally. Like they both connect to me and kind of push me to be prepared for scary situations or, or situations that make me nervous. But I think it all comes back to like my routine and like setting that base and that tone for me to get through the rest of my day or week or whatever that scary thing is that I'm going to do next. And so how do you kind of build that into when you're coaching up um, a new coach? How do you help them establish those routines or kind of build that confidence for themselves? Well, when I have a new coach, I treat them just like as a person. I want to get to know them on like a personal level first. And then we kind of dive into like, oh, OK, these are the things that we do here at Future use those experiences that you had in person or wherever you were before this, whether it was remote or in person, let's bring it into future and kind of just talk to them on a personal level and then seeing and figuring out like what questions I can ask them, how to bring that information out of them and then moving them in the right direction, kind of giving some insight that I've gone through. Cause I have been here for quite a bit now. So I feel like I've experienced enough things, but helping them through my experiences and then just absorbing everything else that I hear from other people. Like, oh, this, this person had this tough situation and this is how they handled it. So kind of just like absorbing things from around me with other leaders in our company, um, other leaders that I've worked with in the past before I got to future and then using all of that to help motivate my coaches and keep them moving in the right direction. I think it's really interesting. Like as we're getting into this um, and we even talked before we hopped on the podcast, but like 
something that's always stood out to me about you, Bridget, is like your confidence and your presence. And like I said, I was like, you're an absolute badass, especially as, as a leader, you know? And so I think it's like, as I'm listening to this, it's like, it's so powerful actually to hear that, like you go through those moments of self-doubt and things like that. Cause you know, another concept I think we talk about a lot is like imposter syndrome. And for the longest time, like myself, I didn't understand it. And so I thought, cause I, like I would get terrified to give a presentation, but then I would watch other people I respect. So, you know, like I think of you leading a group and I just see you have this commanding presence. Like in my mind, I'm like, oh, that person is just a natural. And like, I can't do this. I'm a fraud. Um, so maybe if you can like get into that a little is like, there's like, you do have this doubt you do. It sounds like you have these feelings of like, do I belong or not? But yet like to the rest of us watching, we don't see that at all. Imposter syndrome, a hundred percent. I've, I've experienced that before. And sometimes I'm like, why was I chosen for this? But then I don't know who I had the conversation with. Um, but I was like, no, I'm way qualified to do what I do. Like I went to school for this. I've done internships. I've proven time and time again, that I can do this. Like, that's why I've been trusted to guide coaches to be their best. Um, but yeah, that doubt definitely still creeps in and I have no idea why it keeps creeping back in. Maybe it's an anxiety thing, but I think that's what drives me to be better to prove like, Hey, I'm going to prep for this and I'm going to do a great job. I'm going to crush it. Like that's a hundred percent the direction I move in. Let's dive a little bit deeper into that imposter syndrome. You know, when you're such a strong leader, and I think it's interesting how you said it from the jump, initially, when I asked to be on the podcast, you said, why me? Right. And that shows kind of that humble nature of not really realizing how impactful you have been really uh, for this entire company. Cause Josh and I, when we first started the podcast, you were on the short list of people where it's like, all right, we got to get bridged on here ASAP. So I appreciate you being on. And, but one of the things is when you're talking about the imposter syndrome and everybody in the company sees you as this strong, confident leader, is there any stories that you can draw upon where specifically you felt that imposter syndrome and then what you did about it? Oh yeah. I mean, my squad or my team has been a mix of new coaches, veteran coaches from all walks of life. Um, but the one that sticks out is when Matt Schutz started here, he had 20 years in the NFL and then he was going to be on my team. And I was like, what in the world? Why is this happening to me? Again, imposter syndrome immediately creeping in. Like he has more experience. I don't even know what I can have to, to help him out here. Like, what am I going to say to him? And I remember that first, first chat we had, I was like, he can tell I was nervous in the call. Like, and I was just like, he has 20 years in the NFL. Like, oh my God, he works with all these teams. And he's the one who kind of helped me out a little bit. And he was like, Bridget, I know nothing about future. You've been here for like two plus years at this point. He's like, if we were stepping on the NFL field, you would look to me. Now we're at future. I'm looking to you. And I was like, oh Yeah. I know what the heck I'm doing here. I have so much experience. And then I didn't say that out loud, but I was like, yep. And then I just like rolled into it. And just any, any thing that I've done with my, my coaches was get to know him on a personal level. Um, ask him as many questions as I could trying to pull his experience from the NFL to bring it to future, to communicate with those clients, to get them moving in the right direction, to keep them motivated, all of that stuff. So him giving me that confidence. I was like, I just like rocket shipped to the moon, hundred percent felt confident going in 
into helping him out be a successful coach here. Yeah, I'm glad you went there because I think, you know, we've, we've mentioned imposter syndrome on the show before, but I think diving in deeper into like why it happens. And I think speaking to coaches who have high profile clients, I feel like that's an area that it stems from is here's this person that has done all these cool things. Maybe it's a, an actor or a professional athlete or whoever it is. And you have that imposter syndrome because it's like, what can I possibly draw upon that's going to bring this person value? And that's where we have to realize just like on a human level that we all bring in different experiences. We all see things through a slightly different lens and we all have different strengths and different weaknesses. And that's really what this show is about. And obviously, you know, Josh and I have talked before too. It's like, we've already kind of talked about this topic. Like, is it okay going us again? Like we're overthinking as far as like where we should go. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's like every single person that is on the show sees the world through a slightly different lens. And every topic that we discuss is different because of how it's affected their life and how maybe they can say it in a slightly different way that it affects somebody else's life. So I just appreciate you going there because I was kind of like noodling on, yeah, why, why do I feel imposter syndrome in these different situations? Or why, when I talk to this client, I feel a certain way. So that's just kind of where my mind went. Yeah, for sure. I mean, every situation I've been in and like, just like that, that thing that Matt said to me or the conversation that I had, um, back with somebody about imposter syndrome, like you are qualified. And that's kind of the self-talk I have to have a lot of the time is like, you are qualified. You have studied to be in this position. You have practiced in this position and you have success with people in this position. So like, again, why not me now? Like coming kind of swinging it back. Like, why not choose me for the podcast? Like I like can go from like that super, like why me? Then like, why not me? Like, I got it. I know what I'm doing. Um, and I'm confident, but then there is that, again, that little part that just creeps up sometimes that you're like, okay, sit it back down. <laughs> well, and I think too, you know, with the couple of examples that we brought up, you know, Brad, you brought up, uh, sometimes as coaches, we're working with these like really high profile clients, whether it's like big time athletes or celebrities or investors that are quite intimidating. Bridget, you talked about in leadership, you know, here's Matt, who's been a head NFL strength coach. He's, you know, 20 years experience and, and all this, but what it comes down to is some, something that you touched on towards the beginning, Bridget, which is um, just meeting that person where they are forming a connection, like getting curious, like you said it, get curious about this person, ask them questions, you know, collect and connect dots. Like we always talk about, And, you know, in that process, I think you, you know, you, you reframe it where it's not like there's levels to like this person's here. I'm, you know, I'm down here, but it's like, we're all human. You know, we're all ultimately the same level. It doesn't matter if I'm your coach or, or I'm the athlete or whatever it is. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of power there and a consistent theme I've always heard from people like we had Adam Harrington on, um, our last episode and you know he's been with Kevin Durant for nine years and he kind of said that like Kevin Durant wants me to train him here's the best scorer maybe in NBA history like why me mm-hmm. but again he started with that foundation of just forming that relationship and trust but the other part of it what I, what I hear from you is like you know having just a kind of relentless approach and work ethic to like, I am going to do anything and everything that I can to make you better, you know, and I, and like, um, 
Kobe's coach with the Lakers, Tim DeFrancesco, for the tail end of his career, he said the same thing about Kobe. Like I asked him, I'm like, man, you and Kobe had like a very close knit relationship. And Tim's background, like he came from the G League before the Lakers. Kobe had already, you know, won the championships and stuff like that. But Kobe respected him because Tim was going to put in that same level of work and even oftentimes, you know, more. So I think it's, it's just interesting. I want to just pulling that string mm-hmm. out from what you said is mm-hmm. the, the, is the preparation, the approach and the work ethic. So I think that's important to call out. Yeah. hundred percent. I am going to figure it out. I might not be, like I said, comfortable at the beginning, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to put the time and I'm going to prep. I'm going to be supportive. I'm going to be here for you. I have a big team and they're all different walks of life. Like I can't talk to each one of them the same way or treat them the same way, but I'm going to figure out how I can help them and help them succeed here. Cause like, that is my job. And like, I'm going to do the best fucking job that I can. Cause that's just who I am. I love it. I love it. I'm curious. Cause like, we're going into a lot of stuff on leadership and, you know, even before you were ever in the role with us at future of being a leader, Um, I think it's something that like we saw in you pretty much right away from the beginning. Um, And there's this kind of like, you know, debate that you hear a lot, like are leaders born or are they made? Now I'm of the belief that like they're made, like it's a, it's a cop out to say they're born because it's, Mm -hmm. it's work. But I am curious, like, where has that come from for you to like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the moment you started with us, like that was something that stands out about you already. Funny that you're bringing this up because Brad and I talked about it. Cause I did make the comment that I think leaders are born. Um, but he kind of, no, and, I, and I love yeah. that too. Yeah. So, so like yeah. push on me on that yeah. and, and I'll, yeah. and I'll fight you on it, but um, <laughs> no. And that's why I think it's a great debate though. Oh, it definitely you know? is. It is. It is. I mean, I've had this conversation with my husband, Connor, like I, I think it's always been in me, but I think throughout my entire journey, people have helped pulled it out of me even more. Like, I think it is, it's in essentially everybody, but it just depends what opportunities you've been given. Brad pointed out, I'm the oldest of six. That was not something I ever thought about that. That's why I am probably more of a born leader than, than somebody who's the youngest of six. Um, but that is definitely something I just think it's in you and you get the opportunities and you're just, I mean, I was very bossy as a child. <laughs> like I can tell you that straight out. I still kind of am like, it's just what it is. But I do think it was always in me. Um, and then I just got the opportunities. I had the right mentors. Um, when I was working at the University of Albany, I had an awesome mentor, Connor Hughes. Um, <laughs> but he pulled that out of me. He pulled that out of me. He, he allowed me to fail. He allowed me to um, stumble and figure things out. And I kind of do that with my coaches here. Like, okay, yeah, try it out. See what happens. And then if it doesn't work out, then, then we'll come back to the drawing board and figure it out. But that's kind of my approach too with them. I want them to all eventually one day be a a performance manager, if that's the route they want to go. So how can I push them in that direction? You're going to stumble, you're going to fail, and then you're going to get there eventually. And you're going to have that confidence because I'm going to be chirping in your ear the whole time, the rest of your life that you're at future with me. (laughs) Well, and I think it's interesting too, because as we were kind of bantering back and forth, we're both saying the same thing. And it's, you know, I think being the oldest of six and some of the things that were already in you, predisposes you more for being a good leader, but it doesn't mean that the opposite can't also be true. And it's kind of like, if you think about, uh, you know, a sports analogy, 
like somebody might be born and be predisposed to be a sprinter. They can still be a distance runner, right? If they put in the effort and they build that skill set, it might just be a little bit more challenging than somebody who was predisposed otherwise. Yeah, for sure. The thing that, that stood out there as, as you were talking about was actually within your own leadership style is you talked about um, allowing people to fail um, and, and not just allowing, but actually encouraging them to fail. And, and I think that's, it's such a, it's such a powerful thing in leadership. It's also, it's just, it's such a powerful thing in learning, but, you know, I think oftentimes it's just kind of the, the structure of even like how our school system is set up. Like Mm -hmm. if you fail a test, it's an F and there's red marks all over it. And so like, you know, I think a lot of the, the systems around us, um, kind of, you know, scare us from stepping out and failing because there's consequences there, but it turns out like that's where the, the most growth comes from. That's where the, the creativity, you know, and things like that comes from. So, um, you know, I think that that was really powerful that you touched on. You did talk about, um, you know, like with Connor in particular, seeing what a strong leader looks like at the, you know, in our field, college level, whatever. Um, and you don't have to name names, but I imagine you've probably also seen like bad leaders. And I think there's a lot like inversion is really powerful, not just learning what to do, but also learning what not to do. Are there any experiences like that, that have maybe shaped uh, your approach and made you stronger as a leader? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely experienced like some okay leaders, um, some great leaders throughout my entire process of getting to future. Those okay leaders kind of just, I remember showing them a program and being like very excited. Like, look at this. This is my first program put together for like the field hockey team, just an example. And immediately getting shut down. Like, nope, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. And I was like, uh, okay, pretty much recreating that program to be their program. I was like, how am I supposed to be a strength coach? If I like, don't fuck up writing a program and it flowing through the room horribly, how am I going to learn from that? So it's kind of when I, um, just was like, well, I'm never going to do that. Like, I'm never going to do that. I'm going to kind of like, you know, you guide people to be like, Hey, maybe try it this way or yeah, let's try it and see what happens. And then we can come back to the drawing board, but you got to fail to grow and to, to figure out what, what you're doing, if you're doing it right or doing it wrong, or you're going to be successful or not successful. And going back to what you're talking about in school, like getting an F and failing, like that's, that to me frustrates me so much, but that's like a conversation that could be like a way other another day. But with coaching, thinking about coaching a specific movement up, RDLs are probably one of the, the hardest movements to coach up. And when you see somebody like, they're not going to understand that first cue. Okay. Let me rewind. Let me give them a different cue. Let me. And it's kind of like what coaching is and how at future, there's so many different ways to be successful here. There's not one like straight path. And it's kind of like, I think how anything in life is, it's like, there's not one straight path. You have to learn it a couple of different ways or explain, get it explained to you a couple of different ways. And then you succeed with it. Yeah. And I think too, like the other part of it, which is really uh, powerful is like, you know, in, in coaching someone or, you know, being a leader is the language that you use with that person because, you know, often, and, and this is probably a related piece of why I say leaders are made, but, you know, I think you got, like, you got to have people around you too, to your point Mm -hmm. that, that kind of, you know, pull it out of you is because, um, you know, 
I could come from an environment where very much I'm scared to fail because every time I have failed, I've been punished, whether it's, you know, in school or whether it's the household I grew up in or my friends, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, have a very fixed mindset about growth, but, you know, it's kind of like, I think as you're getting to, it's, it's the language you use as a coach or a leader, you can shift someone's mindset from fixed to growth of that, of like, this person has just failed at something. They're probably expecting to be scolded or, you know, or there's some consequence and you're going, Hey, like, that's awesome. You fucked up. So now what that tells Mm -hmm. me is we have a huge, like you're already crushing these three other things. Mm -hmm. And now we've just identified an area that once we improve you in there, you're going to be incredible. And so, you know, I think that's a important piece to, to call out is just even that language that you use. And so, you know, one of the things obviously you're doing quite regularly, Bridget is um, having these pretty in depth, you know, one-on-ones with, with coaches, you've done it in the past with, you know, high level athletes and that, Mm -hmm. um, how, you know, like what, what are some of the, the maybe like tips and tricks that you use as it relates to language and like giving feedback and maybe it's difficult feedback or, you know, maybe it's feedback around failures and things like that. Yes. Um, not my favorite conversations to have when like bad feedback comes in, and I have to deliver it to that coach. I'm kind of like, Ooh, but I know it's going to make them better. And that's, again, my job here is to make them better, help them move in the right direction. So when I get bad feedback that I have to pass on to a a coach or even to anybody, I'm like, I'll give it. And then I'll be like, how, how could we have done things? How could you have done things differently? How can I help you move from this situation? Like, let's talk about strategies. Let's talk about different tactics. Cause there's not one set way to do everything. There's not. So my approach might be totally different, but like, you're not going to know my approach unless we talk about it or we talk about it within our team. So we're always talking about within our team, like different ways to different, to approach different situations, because there's so many different ways to be successful. It's not just a, like I said, it's not a one line way to do stuff. So kind of throwing it back on them. Like, what do you think you could have done differently here? And then just getting them to critically think about it. Like, oh, maybe I should have done X, Y, and Z instead of just doing A. Um, So getting them to just think a little bit more and not like that first instinct, because like we all have that first instinct, like, no, I'm going to blast this message out and it's going (laughs) to stick it to them. But like, just take a beat, step back, take a beat and let's figure it out together. Because like, that's what life is about. Like, you're not on this journey on your own. Everybody's in it together. So like, why not lean on somebody, ask their opinion or, hey, did I do this right? Or what should I have done differently? Like helping them figure that out. And then also like, being there for them to like, Hey, I'm always here. Like, that's something I always say with my team. It's like, I'm always here just to slack away. Like, let me know what you need. The thing that stands out to me there, which, which is a subtle one, but it's, it's a really big one is seek first to understand. And one of my biggest pet peeves, I work, you know, however many years in basketball and the NBA in college, but this is true of pretty much any sport is, you know, you get into practice and, a player fucks something up. What does the coach do? They blow the whistle right away and they, and they probably chew them out. And they said, you know, you did this, you need to do that. And, and then, you know, we go on to the next play, but they're never stopping for a moment to consider and recognize that as you've touched on 
my experience as a head coach, my knowledge, what I know, what I see is very different than, you know, in that case, my 19 year old point guard, who's still learning the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. And so by just jumping in and correcting this person, but having no idea of what they saw and what they were thinking, mm -hmm. it's actually not helpful at all. And so that's something I think that's really powerful about what you're doing there and like difficult feedback, difficult conversations, starting it with a question. You're saying, Hey, like, how did you see this? What did mm -hmm. you think? What, you know, because then only then from there, then you get that of like, Oh, wow. Like this person sees it totally different than mm -hmm. I would have thought that they saw it. And now that probably changes the feedback I give. But mm -hmm. what's interesting is other times they see things that you don't. And that's actually a good thing. And if you talk through it, you go, wow, huh? Like you said, there's more than one way to do it. Mm -hmm. And you can actually, you know, learn, learn from that person. But um, yeah, it, it, it used to kill me like sitting in film sessions and that, because also now that person is a passive receiver mm -hmm. of feedback and, and mm -hmm. like, it creates a safety net where it's like, yeah, I actually can fuck up all the time because if I'm, if I fuck up, I'm just going to get told what to do. I never actually have to learn it myself, but you're kind of putting them on the spot. Tell me what happened here. Tell me, you know, what we need to do to get better. And then it's like, I have to take control of that. Yes. hundred percent. Along that same line, the ultimate form of leadership would be parenting and uh, transitioning into being how, how far along? I am 35 and a half weeks. So she's due anytime she wants to come pretty much in a week and a half. <laughs> very soon, very soon. And so with that in mind and kind of talking about leadership, what are some things that you for sure want to instill in your daughter? Oh, I might cry now. Um, so many things. I want her to see that she can be, that she can do anything she wants. I want her to be resilient. I want her to be a badass like her mom is. I want her to be strong. But the, I think the resiliency part is a big thing. Like I want her to know, like if I like stumble or fail, like, hey, mommy messed up. This is how I fixed it. Or if I like epically, I don't know. I'm pretty sure her first word will probably be fuck. But that's just <laughs> <laughs> that's just what it is going to be. But if I do fuck up, I like I want her to see that like, hey, it's OK. Grownups mess up, too. And it's going to be OK. This is how we fix things. So I want her to just know that there's like so many parts of the world, not just like grownups are perfect. They never do anything wrong. I want her to see that like I stumble, I fall, how to be resilient, how to um, just like keep pushing forward. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be scary times, but you're going to get through it. and You're going to be OK. I love it. I think that's very powerful. And that kind of ties in with the final question too, as far as legacy. And if anything, you know, with being pregnant, has that shifted at all your mindset of the legacy that you wish to leave or has it reaffirmed certain things that you thought beforehand? Um, it just kind of reassuring, like, I want people to know I care about them. I want them to know that I'm like here to support, here to help any way I can. And I think through motherhood, becoming a mother pretty soon, it's definitely going to come out even more. Um, there's a lot of things that I'll be honest. I think the whole imposter syndrome probably turns tends to go with like, I have a little bit of anxiety, which most people do. Um, but this whole pregnancy, I've been like super calm, much calmer than I thought. 
So I'm very interested to see like what happens as she becomes a little person and has a little personality. And if she snaps back at me, I think I'll know how to handle that. Um, but yeah, just, I just want people to know that like, when they think of me, like she cared, she cared about me. She pushed me in the right direction. And I think that it's going to continue happening even as I become a mother. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bridget. And until next time, this is the future of human performance.